0: Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. This passage of scripture, God gives us a glimpse into how Paul would pray for the church. And, you know, there's certain ones you look at when they pray and you say, Boy, I think of how the disciples saw Jesus pray and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And, of course, he would give them instruction on how to pray and uh, talk about something we still turn to, often called the Lord's Prayer, more the disciples' prayer and an outline on how to pray. And and uh, in this passage of scripture, the Lord gives us a glimpse into Paul's prayer life. And I think on purpose, obviously, the Lord decided to record it in the scripture, the inspired word of God, that we might learn to pray as well. Uh, for. One another, And you see that in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. The text verses are going to be really through verse 11, but we're going to read through verse 14 tonight. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we love you. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I love this. I love it. Anytime I see something of this where there's, uh, boy, just some instruction on prayer or instruction on a certain aspect of life, I I like to grab a hold of it. One of the reasons I love John 14, 15, and 16, and 17, number one, chapter 17, you get a glimpse of how God prays for his people. You see the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. But in John 14, 15, and 16, you see the Lord giving some final instruction to his disciples and those who would follow. And I think a Christian ought to pay extra attention to that. He ought to pay extra attention to the entirety of Scripture. But boy, when God's specifically giving that direct instruction uh, to pay attention. And here in this passage of Scripture, we see Paul lifting up the church in prayer. And I'm, I'm sure he prayed for them about many things uh, concerning the physical things that they faced and struggles that they had. But here we see him praying for the spiritual needs of the people you know, physical needs, they are inevitable, aren't they? They're inevitable aspects of life. There will always be them. And sooner or later, there'll be the one that unless the rapture comes that carries us out of this world, right? We had an evangelist in here not that long ago that said we spend more time praying people out, uh, praying people out of he- or praying people out of heaven than we do praying people into heaven. And uh, just mentioning the fact that we spend a lot of time in prayer, praying, Lord, keep this Christian from getting into glory, heal their body and, and not enough time praying for someone who's lost to come to know christ as their savior and there's a lot of truth to that unfortunately sometimes isn't there but there's also truth to the fact that many times we we lift one another up in prayer for the physical needs and they're the most glaring and the most obvious things that they face but i think of the importance of the spiritual needs in someone's life how important it is the physical is temporary the spiritual is eternal isn't it and uh, this passage of Scripture, you see that. I think of Paul or Peter. Remember when the Lord warned him that he would uh, deny him three times. And, of course, Peter would reject it, the very idea that he would deny the Lord. And, uh, but the Lord would say, Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I've often thought the reason Peter didn't completely fall was that his Savior was in prayer for him. What kept him from completely departing, I've thought, many times, was probably the prayer of his Savior. And I wonder if as the Lord entered into the Garden of Gethsemane, if a great deal of that prayer was concerning his disciples who had fallen asleep out there, as he would lift them up in prayer. And But I, I think I, when I read that passage of Scripture in Luke about the Lord saying that to Peter, it's, it's incredibly convicting. It's incredibly convicting. Have you ever asked yourself, who have I lifted up in prayer? Who has it whose foot has not slipped because I've lifted them up in prayer today? And think of how important it is in our world. The world Lord tell reminds us this world's going to wax worse and worse. Uh, I don't know there's times it seems like it goes in spurts when I see folks that I know and love who who fall who fall into sin. And I'm I'm convicted not only about the seriousness and reality of sin, but convicted in my heart about how much did I truly lift them up in prayer. In this passage of Scripture, in this passage of Scripture, we see Paul lifting up and saying in that verse 9, he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. We do not cease to pray for you. And I just think of the importance of not ceasing to pray for one another. I hope you pray for one another. I hope you stick this prayer bulletin in your, in your Bible tonight and carry it with you through the week and, and lift the Lord, lift those folks up in it on prayer, and not merely for the physical needs, but for the spiritual needs that they'll face. And not only that, but the folks that sit next to you. Uh, sitting next to you in a pew and lifting them up in prayer and the, the folks in ministry and the Lord use them your Sunday school teachers and bus workers the three young ladies that came to know Christ boy I, th- I think this the devil hates it when people come to know Christ right heaven rejoices hell groans a little bit and three people coming to know Christ and I know how much he would love to stop a bus from rolling and being and bringing people into church how much he would like to sideline another Sunday school teacher or another preacher or a, another greeter or ushery or, or whatever place it is that he might hinder the cause of Christ. And what is it that stands in the way? Well, the Lord stands in the way and he uses the prayer of his people. I think how important this matter of prayer is. And if we're not careful, we sideline it to the side, or uh, if we do it all, maybe it's just a few moments. And yet, here's Paul and he's speaking. He said, uh, We do not cease to pray. We do not cease to pray, but he doesn't end there. He, he really gives us a little bit of an outline on how he prays for the spiritual condition of these folks at church, not merely the physical things they would face, but the spiritual condition that they, that they needed. Notice the first thing he prayed for spiritual vision for them in verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Spiritual vision. I think of how he would say it. We do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. To receive the truth, letter A, to receive the truth. He prayed, Lord, I, I want them to know the knowledge of the will. I want them to receive the truth. Second Thessalonians 3, 1 through 2, Paul would say this. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. And be glorified even as it was with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not the faith. But he said that finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. And be glorified even as it was with you. He was in a matter of prayer. Lord, let the scripture have free course. Lord, I want them to receive the truth. I want them to have it in hand. I think sometimes we take for granted the truth that we have. I have grown up around the Word of God. I do not know what it's like not to have it in my life. And, and I don't know what it's like not to have somebody reading it to me, teaching it to me, or to have multiple copies of it in my home. And yet we live in a world in which much of the world does not even have it. I think of those Scripture-assembled things that are being assembled and the Scripture that's being assembled and, and all of that going to put a John and Romans or something in the hands of someone who doesn't know it and how, how necessary and important that is. But, but not only that, for, but for one another. Lifting one up or another up in prayer and say, Lord, don't let them neglect the truth this week. Don't let them neglect the truth this week. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy what? Word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. How incredibly important the word of God is in our life. And yet, because... It is common in our life. It becomes common to us if we're not careful. Because it is so prevalent in our life that we fail that it just becomes commonplace to us. And his prayer was, I'm praying that they would receive it. Where does the knowledge of God's will come from? Well, the knowledge of God's will comes from his word. He reveals it into our life, the, the general will of God. He used it to reveal the specific will of God in our life and to receive this, the truth. And not only that, but to realize the truth. Look at what he says there again. He says, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all Wisdom. Not only to receive it, but to, but to, but to uh, if you will, realize it. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication and prayers and intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 3, 7 says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's a different, it's one thing to have the word of God. It's another one to realize the word of God. You ever share the gospel with someone, Jesus? I think of the parable where it talks about the, the sower and the seed. And the one seed, it falls on the ground, and the birds sweep in and pick it up and carry it away. The Bible says it's the devil. It just never took root. It was delivered but not received. And I think of that whether it's a soul that's without Christ that receives or hears the gospel of Jesus Christ but does nothing with it, or whether it's the Christian who receives it but doesn't realize it, doesn't experience it in their life. You ever pick up your Bible, read your Bible, and... Look back at 10 minutes and say, now, what are you, wait a second. What did I just read? <laughs> what did I just read? You have to go back and read the chapter over again. Give yourself some time to think upon it and meditate upon it. It's in your hand. It's in your house, and it's, and it's there, but to realize the incredible truths of it. You ever read a passage of Scripture you've read so many times and you think, oh, I've read this before. Yeah, you know, I believe God's still got something there for you. I think there's a deeper truth. I think there's growing in the Lord. I think there's line upon line. And I think there's spiritual growth in it. And yet we take it so for granted that even though it is in our hand, we don't realize what's there for us. And he's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his truth. What what a blessing it is to be fed from God's word, to be fed from it. Not only that, but to relate the truth. He says in that verse, he said to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, spiritual understanding. It's, it's one thing to receive it. It's another thing to realize that it. it's another to understand how to apply it to our life. James 1 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not and it shall be given him. This is where the verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 come in. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet, and a light unto our path. Understanding how it applies to my life, and then by faith, living it out. By faith, living it out. We'll have our family devotions, and we'll sit down there, and we'll read wherever we're reading in the, in, uh, the Scripture. And uh, it's been in Psalms here lately, and I'll, I'll tell the kids, now you got to pick something out in this passage of Scripture. you got to tell me something that stands out as we read this Psalm that correlates with the date today. And uh, hands sometimes go up quickly, sometimes don't. Nathaniel's hand always goes up. And for the longest time, it was God died. And I was like, well, that's a... Very sad story, son. All right? Very sad. We need to add to it. And finally, we got him going. God died, and God rose again. And uh, now we're, we're working on he's coming again. All right? Trying to... It's the same thing every single time. All right? Very deep truths. All right? But he's three. We'll work on it. and uh, But we'll go around, and they'll pick something out that, that stood out to them. And what, what we're looking for is they have it, right? Right? If you're in my house, the scriptures there, I can go say, go grab a Bible and they can all grab their own Bible and multiple other Bibles. They have it, but I also want them to, to receive. I want them to more than just receive it. I want them to relate it, but, or to realize the incredible truths of it. I want them looking into it and saying, what does God's word say, but that's still insufficient, isn't it? It can't just be that they receive it and say, what does it say? They must say, what do I do with it? What do I do with it? And how important that God didn't write his word so we could just read it and understand it. He wrote it so we could live it. And that's where faith is lived out. And here's Paul. Lord, I want them to be filled with the knowledge of thy will and all wisdom and and understanding. I want them to see the light shining brightly on the road in front of them that they know how to step and how to walk in this life. They would be fed by it, and they would be lit, and they would live by it. And I think how incredibly important it is that we would pray, not just for the physical well-being or uh, the needs that one another have to do that, but Lord, work in their life, let them grow in God's word. The struggles and the trials of life are inevitable. We get victory over one to see another one around the corner, and yet how desperately we need the spiritual truths just to carry us through. Friend, if you win the physical battle but not the spiritual battle, it was a failure all the way through. If we make it through the physical circumstance without being fed by the word of God, we're in trouble. And there is a call in this passage of Scripture as he lifts them up in prayer. And I think of the importance of lifting one another up in prayer and praying, Dear God, give them that spiritual vision from the word of God. You know, we don't want just tradition or religion, do we? We want relationship. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had tradition and religion. They knew the law. Matter of fact, they used it for their own means. But they sure struggled in living it. And I think how incredibly important it is that we don't just know it, but that we live it. And realize it and apply it to our life. And Paul is lifting this church up in prayer at Colossae. And he's saying, dear God, let them grow. Let them have a spiritual vision in their life. And not some hocus pocus type thing. But Lord, let them understand the will of God to receive the word of God. To realize the truths of your word. And to relate that truth to their life to relate it to their life. Look at what he prays next for spiritual vitality in verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That first part, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Letter A, the walk of a Christian. Kind of goes back to understanding, doesn't it? That they would walk the walk. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks, doesn't it? And in this passage of Scripture, he's saying, Lord, I, I'm praying that they would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Let them please the Lord because of their walk according to his word. Second Corinthians 5, 8 through 9. We are confident, and I say, willing and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be what accepted of him. First Thessalonians 4, 1, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Whether present or absent, we would be pleasing in His sight. He's saying, I'm asking that they would have this spiritual vision, that they would have the, the this vitality in the Christian life, that as a result of their spiritual walk in the Word of God, they would have a, a physical walk in their life that was pleasing, in God's sight. The key to living pleasing in God's sight is the word of God in our life. It is his word. He said, Lord, let them walk. Lord, give them a vision of your word. Let them understand it and and have it and apply it and let it affect their walk today. That their walk, that their life today would be pleasing in your sight well, I, I'm looking forward to the Lord's return, but I'm hoping when He returns that I'm walking pleasing in His sight. Hoping that I'm walking, and how do I know whether it's pleasing in His sight or not? It's the Word of God. It's the Scripture. It's not some random thought. It's not my personal opinion, but it is what God has said in His Word. And here he's lifting them up in prayer and saying, Lord, give them a spiritual vision that will lead to the vitality of the Christian life as they have a walk that is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Not only that, but you see the works of a Christian in verse 10. He says here, he says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. And then this, being fruitful in every good work. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your what is not in vain in the Lord, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. To labor for the Lord. We've got Labor Day coming up. Uh, I remember growing up as a kid, um, usually that day, you know, everybody had the day off, and uh, my parents would be like, oh, let's get some yard work done. Those guys were like, Oh, man. Why, 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 why is it this day? And uh, my mom would say, well, it's Labor Day, guys. It's like, well, who created that holiday, all right? It's Labor Day. But we know what it is to work and to labor, don't we? You know, we are to be busy laboring in the service of the Lord. To serve him, to labor for him, to find a place of service and to be busy at what He has called us to do. In some place of service, whatever it may be, I I think of how in Ephesians and and both in Corinthians it talks about the body of Christ and and every member has a part and every joint supplieth and how every Christian needs some part of serving God. And He even specifically says, there's no part, some parts we may think are more comely or or more appealing, but every part is a needed part in the Christian life. Every Christian Meant to have a place of service. And the body can't function if every part's not functioning, right? I mean, if your little toe doesn't do what it's supposed to, you're going to the doctor, right? We're going to find out what's wrong with it. Because every part has an important place. And And I think of the incredible reality. You know, Christian, we are meant to be serving God. Our roles of service may change as we go through life. But service is the call of every living, breathing soul on this earth in whatever way we can, it's a, if it's a phone call of encouragement because that's what we have, it's a, a voice lifted up in prayer because if that's what we have, if it's knocking on a door or running a bus route or teaching a class or working in a sound booth or greeting someone at the door or cleaning a building or working in a nursery or, teach, or teaching in a junior church, finding a place where we serve God, that we labor and would be fruitful in our labors. The call is that we're busy. Can you imagine to have a soul saved that God would send his son to die on the cross and rise again three days later that we would be saved? And he would leave us here and ascend up into glory. Why would he leave us here? Why didn't he take us with him in the moment of salvation? Why am I still here? Labor. Why are you still here? There's something for you to do. There's something for us to do, and I think I I cannot turn away from a God who has done so much for me, and we ought to lift one another up in prayer. Lord, help them to walk the uh, this this fruitful Christian life. Let them be pleasing in their sight, and let their work for the Lord be be profitable, and put them use them, and Lord use me as well. But equip them for ministry, and He was praying for them, for their service for the Lord. Next thing you see here is. Uh, The wonder of the Christian life. Look at that verse. He says, And increasing in the knowledge of God. Boy, now there's an incredible thing. To increase in the knowledge of God. To know Him. I love Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. It's the verses I immediately thought of at this point. It says, That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. To be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. To grow in a knowledge of God. To grow in an understanding of who he is and how much he loves us. The breadth, the depth, the length, and height of his love to understand greater and greater each and every day who he is. That's a growth that happens in his word, and it's a growth that happens by experience, isn't it? You ever come to go through an experience and God works through it in your life as you continue faithfully to serve him, and all of a sudden you see how much God loves you, not just because of what it said in God's word, but the way it was, it was fulfilled in your life. The love of God. That they would be filled with the knowledge of it. The incredible wonder of the Christian life is to know God and to daily know Him better till the moment I leave this world behind and I see Him face to face. Hey, to, to lift one another and let them know God. Let them open up the pages of Scripture and receive it and not let it be dusty. Let them, let them rel- realize the, the truths that are in there and let them relate them to their life. Let it produce a walk that is pleasing in your sight or let them grow in the wonder of God and in the knowledge of God that they might see you more and more each day until the day they leave this world behind and see you face to face. It ought to be a prayer that we pray for ourselves, and it certainly ought to be the way we're lifting up others in the Lord to pray for them. And there's the call here that that we would grow in that and grow to understand the Lord. I, I, can't, I am looking forward to the day I, I get to see my Savior, but I know this, I get to talk with him tomorrow or any time I choose to pick up his word, spend time in prayer to hear from him. I, I think I know him better today than the day that I was saved. Pretty sure. Not only from what I know about his word, Because of how I've seen him work in my life As a result of being in his word As a result of being in his word And faithfully serving him And leaning on his promises At times deciding Lord I'm going to walk by this Not because I see how it's going to work out But because I just simply trust what you said in your word And then as I follow that walk All of a sudden I watch him work And I get to stand in awe for a minute Of who he is And how much he loves me and what he has done for me the stand in awe of the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God and the knowledge of the Lord and just scratching the service of what it will be the day I see him face to face and the call is for the saint of God to pray. and here's Paul he says I cease not to pray for you I cease not I want you to have this spiritual vision. I, I want you to have this spiritual vitality in your life to, to have a, 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 a Christian life that is not just life, but life more abundant. I, I want you to know what it's like to walk well-pleasing in His sight and have a fruitful service for the Lord and to grow in an understanding and a knowledge of God that each and every day you are amazed at who God is. As the Psalms have said, as I mentioned earlier, what is man that thou art mindful of him, Lord? it's an amazing thing who he is then lastly we see this for spiritual victory in our life verse 11 strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness the first thing you see there is the secret to all of these things that was mentioned already strengthened with all might according to his what glorious power there is the secret to the true Christian life strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Second Timothy 1:7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of what? A sound mind. Power. Ephesians 5:18 And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Philippians 2:12 through 13 Wherefore, my beloved? As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm so glad that verse didn't end there because the next verse says this, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. For it is God that worketh in you both to do uh, to, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He said, uh, he goes, he gives the call of scripture that our salvation that he has put on the inside would work its way on the outside. We know it's not, he's not talking about a works based salvation, but he's saying what God did on the inside's got to manifest it on the outside. And how does it manifest itself on the outside? Well, it's manifested by the God who worketh in you, strengthened with his might, by his power a life that is transformed and changed doesn't happen because we determine that it will be, but because we lean on the God who strengthens. That's why Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. How does... Paul is probably the most amazing picture of this, and he's the one who's saying it. His life amazes me. A man who... Was on the road persecuting Christians, friend a learned man. It was said of Peter and uh, Peter and John that they were unlearned and ignorant men. It wasn 't that they were, they were dumb, they just weren't the educated, the highly educated, the trained like Paul was. They were tradesmen, they were men who worked with their hands, and that 's the way they lived. Paul was, if you could, he said, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and, uh, but he, he would say about all that he had learned. Do you remember what he said about it? I count it, but what? Dung. Because in, a, in all that he had learned, in all of his training, and all that he had gained, he was still on the road, working against Christ, persecuting Christians, throwing them in jail, and delivering them up unto death. And then one day, the Lord confronted him on the Damascus Road. And there on the Damascus Road, he said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he came to know Christ as a Savior. And who took a man who was a murderer of Christians, persecuting the church, and put him on the road again, even into strange cities, not finding Christians and imprisoning them, but establishing churches and bringing people to Christ? Who changed him? Well, Paul would say it. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. God has changed my life power of God. What is the secret to the Christian life? It is the power of God. And where do I find that source? Well, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of God, uh, before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer. Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where does a Christian find the strength and the power from God that is needed? It is in his word and on our knees as we call upon the God. And the secret is the power of God. It is the power of God in our life. That is the secret to what Paul was after for this church, God's power. He said, I want you to have all of these things as you get into the word of God, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to need. You are going to need God's power in your life, which comes by way of the word and the heart yielded in prayer to their Lord, calling upon his name. You can get tradition without that. Pharisees had it. If you will, they had some behavior change. For the Lord would rebuke them hard. Matter of fact, he rebuked them harder than he did the lost world. He was harder on them than he was a lost man. He rebuked them hard because they had tradition. Paul would say this in second in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 He said, I don't want your wisdom, I don't want your faith to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the demonstration of the Spirit. And of power. I do want it just to be the wisdom of man. You must have the power of God in your life. And he would call them to pray for spiritual victory in life and its scope. Look at what he asked for them to gain as it looks here in verse it says here in verse eleven strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Boy, he knew what this church needed. I I don't really find patience and long-suffering to be something I'm striving, all right, to want to have the experience of gaining, right? But he knew what this church was facing. The early church truly faced persecution. Paul knew very well what their persecution like because he was a persecutor. (laughs) And he spent many of his own nights in a prison cell after he came to the Lord and would ultimately give his life. He knew the physical realities of life were that hardships were in front of them. That if you would follow the Lord and believers baptism and make that public profession of identification with the Lord at that time, your life was in jeopardy and in danger. Persecution, the loss of jobs, all of those things were what was right in front of them. And he could have lifted long them up in prayer, but you know what he prayed for them? Patience, long suffering, joyfulness, patience, cheerful endurance. If you look that up, it's cheerful endurance. To endure something, but not to just endure it with grumblings and agony. But cheerful endurance. To be able to cheerfully endure the things of life by way of the power of God. As you continue to serve him, faithfully in his service, growing in the knowledge of God. He said, Lord, give them that patience, that cheerfulness, that long-suffering. It means forbearance and fortitude. As this the Lord had saying, in the world they'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Lord, help them to endure. And then joyfulness, that joyfulness is a calm delight, if you look it up. A calm delight. I think of the verse where it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? Desires in thy heart. A calm delight in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, give them your power. Was a hard place for the Christian who, specifically at that time, who identifies with the Lord Jesus Christ. But give them patience, give them long suffering, give them that joyfulness, that calm delight, that that joyful endurance, and that forbearance and that fortitude in the for the Lord. And it's going to be the secret, the power of God. I think as we lift one another up in prayer, don't stop for the physical need. All right, because. You can click that one off and you need to pray for it. But if you give it time, there'll be another one on there. Am I right? I'm not saying we don't pray for it, we do pray for them. Got a long list of them to pray for. But the spiritual things, the spiritual things. Lord, don't let that Christian quit because things didn't go the way they wanted it to. Give them a cheerful, endurance. Let them have a joyfulness in their life, a calm delight in the Lord. Let them know the power of God. I pray that Scripture doesn't sit on the shelf. This book that means so much, Paul is saying, but they would receive the fullness of the knowledge. They'd pick it up and they'd receive it. They'd realize what's the truths that are in there. They'd relate it to their life. And as a result of it, they'd have some vitality in their Christian life. Or well, they have a walk that is pleasing in the sight of God. And that pleasing, that walk that brings pleasure to the Lord. That they would grow to know God and be fruitful in their service of God. And here is the secret. The power of God. He says in that verse, Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Unto all patience and long suffering, with joyfulness. How important it is that we have the power of God in our life. I'm always reminded that in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. But he doesn't stop there. As he says that, gives us that incredible instruction on being filled with the Spirit. He didn't say that you might be the most powerful soul winner, the greatest preacher, the incredible Sunday school teacher. Do you know what he said? Wives, submitting yourselves unto your husbands. Husbands, loving your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Fathers, don't provoke your children unto wrath. Servants, obey your masters. Masters, be good to your servants. You know what he talked about? Christian living. Christian living. You know what he's saying? You're going to need the power of God, not just stepping behind a pulpit. But you will need the power of God to go home and be a good husband, a good wife, a good parent, a good employee, to have a calm endurance, a cheerfulness, to grow, in the vit- to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And it all comes to where we begin with his word. He said, I will not cease to pray for you. I think it puts things in perspective for me. Personally, I've got a long list of physical needs. We've all got them, things that we need to be met. But my probably my list of spiritual things should be a little higher on my list. <laughs> a little higher on my list. And I, so we certainly must be in prayer for one another. Lord, look at Peter. Satan hath desire to have thee that he may sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Let me ask you you think Satan still desires to have us that he may sift us as wheat? Absolutely. Even if he can't get you to fall into sin, he'd like you to get you out of the will of God and out of his service. If he can't get you into gross moral failure, I think probably what he gets us more commonly is not the gross moral failures, but just puts us on the bench of serving God. He's good at making us so busy doing everything else we don't do enough for our savior he's good at it so we must lift each other up in prayer lord let them grow in that book right there let them understand it and realize it and apply it to their life and walk in a way that is pleasing to you be fruitful in every good in their good, in their work for the lord or let them grow in the knowledge of god Let them grow in the knowledge of God. And here's the secret for the Christian life, Lord. This is what they're going to need. Your power. They're going to need the power of God to live the Christian life. And that will be found as we walk in that book that he inspired and we spend time on our knees before his throne saying, God, strengthen me for my day. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. An incredibly convicting passage of Scripture, I think, of how much time that we devote in our prayers to the physical needs. And it's needed, Lord. We have them. I look at some of the lists here tonight, and I see how needed they are. I know others, and it may not be on this list, and the things that they're facing and struggling with, from financial needs to physical burdens that they're bearing in their life, from sickness and spiritual issues and family difficulties and financial difficulties and so many of them. And, Lord, they need help with them, but we also need to grow spiritually. That in the middle of all those difficulties we face in this life, that we wouldn't be sidetracked from the things of God. Lord, as a people, let us grow this week. Let us grow in in the knowledge of God. Let us not leave your word on the shelf, but let us open it up and realize the truths that are there and relate them to our life. Or let us walk this week as a result of what we've seen in your word in a way that is pleasing in your sight. Or let us be fruitful in our service of God. Let us serve God this week. Let's grow in our knowledge of God and our understanding of who you are and what you have for us. And God, equip us with your strength and with your power this week that we might have the patience and the long suffering and the joyfulness that comes from walking in the spirit, that, that fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the, the gentleness, the long suffering. And Lord, fill us with your spirit and use us this week and help us to pray, Lord, for one another. Heads bowed and eyes closed and let me just ask you where you're at in your seat. How many of you could say, Preacher, I, I know that I'm saved. That's a settled thing for me. When I, I'm here on a Wednesday night. I, there's a point in my life when I trusted Christ. I'm saved. I know that for a fact. If that's your testimony, would you just raise your hand between you and I and the Lord. And thank you. Think you may put your hand down. It's a Wednesday night. I, I know that's all of us here tonight. And, but how many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart. Maybe it's a personal thing. I, I, leave, I look at this passage of Scripture and in the, in the importance of praying for others, and it reminds me what I need myself, first of all not only to pray for another, but what I need in my own life. But maybe you'd say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. Maybe it's about your prayer for people, what you're praying for, for those that are around you and sitting next to you and the Christians who love the Lord and the lost that are around you. But maybe it's also something that God has spoken to your heart. You need this, the power of God, the power of God in your life. But you'd say, Hey, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this evening. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as the pianist begins to play, as God has spoken to your heart and do business with the Lord tonight as the pianist plays?